Greetings and welcome to History Factory Plugged In. I'm Jason Dressel and happy May. In today's episode, we're going to celebrate the profession that Americans have rated as the most ethical and honest for 18 years in a row, according to Gallup. That's right, today we celebrate our congressmen and congresswomen. No, that's not right. Members of Congress and car salesmen are actually rated as the nation's two lowest rated professions. Uh, the profession that is regarded as the most ethical and honest are nurses. And this week, we have National Nurses Day on Wednesday, May 6th, and National Nurses Week, which culminates with International Nurses Day next week on May 12th. May 12th is International Nurses Day because it is Florence Nightingale's birthday. Florence Nightingale, of course, is the founding mother of modern nursing. And in fact, this year is the 200th anniversary of her birth. And last year, the World Health Organization had announced that 2020 was the year of the nurse. And there's a number of reports, special promotions, contests, uh, campaigns and other programs happening this year for nurses around the world. Uh, nurses are sharing their own stories using hashtags, hashtag YON2020 and hashtag Year of the Nurse. Of course, when all of these plans were put in place to celebrate and promote the profession this year, no one expected we were going to have a global pandemic that has made the role of nurses on the front lines more visible and appreciated than ever. And sadly, a lot of the celebrations that were supposed to be happening this month are now postponed due to COVID-19. Nurses are the largest occupational group of the healthcare sector, making up 59% of the jobs. There are 28 million nurses around the world and nearly 4 million here in the United States. Um, globally, however, there's a 6 million nurse shortfall of the needed nurses to keep up with the growing population. And as millions of nurses retire over the next decade, nursing is going to be one of the most critical gaps in the supply chain of health. Here to share more with us about the state of nursing and the history of nursing is Dr. Arlene Keeling. Dr. Keeling is the Centennial Distinguished Professor at the University of Virginia School of Nursing. Dr. Keeling's current area of major research is nursing history, and she is currently co-chair of the American Academy of Nursing's expert panel on nursing history. She and her colleagues wrote a book on the history of the American Association of Colleges of Nursing, and she is also the award-winning author of Nursing and the Privilege of Prescription, 1893-2000, to co-editor of Nurses on the Front Line, and co-author of Rooted in the Mountains, Reaching to the World, Stories of Nursing and Midwifery at Kentucky's Frontier School, 1939-1989. to Dr. Keeling is currently researching the history of nursing in the 1918 influenza pandemic, the history of nursing in migrant camps in the Great Depression, and the history of nursing at Mayo Clinic. So let's listen in to my conversation with Dr. Arlene Keeling. Hi, Arlene. Welcome to History Factory Plugged In. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be with you today. 
Well, uh, you're you're an ideal person for us to talk about uh, the the topic of of nursing and, and the history of nursing here in America. And uh, you wrote a, an article about ten years ago in Public Health Reports, and the conclusion was, "quote Today, as the nation and the nursing profession respond to the current H1N1 epidemic and prepare for others, the importance of a strong public health nurse, nursing infrastructure." a nationwide planning process that includes representatives of the nursing profession in addition to those from medicine and public health should not be overlooked. Moreover, the possibility of organizing lay volunteers for support should be given serious consideration. Indeed, recycled solutions from the past may prove beneficial today. End quote. So I guess in that spirit, Arlene, how how would you say we're doing (laughs) with the current uh, pandemic? How prepared were we? Um, well, I think that the health professionals, the CDC, um, and hospitals at the local regions, regional and local levels, were much more prepared than this um, administration would have us believe. There have been pandemic planning in states and um, hospitals throughout the nation, and I think we just didn't heed the warning signs from Wuhan early enough to really uh, put some of those plans in place. Yeah. And how, how would you compare the current COVID crises with other epidemics, pandemi- pandemics, and disasters uh, that you've studied, uh, particularly as it pertains to nursing? Well, I think the similarities um, between COVID and 19 and the 1918 flu are the most apparent. Then um, nurses were on the front lines. There were no drugs, so they were very reliant on good nursing care. State-of-the-art care included um, baths and fluids, and um, we didn't have IVs, but certainly dependent on fever reduction and um, general supportive care. So that that is very much in place today. Of course, it's much more high-tech today. We have monitors. Instead of nurses having to count pulses for an entire minute, they can check a machine walking in the room, or they can check the oxygen level waiting for, instead of waiting for the patient's face to be blue um, using a pulse oximeter today. Yeah. What was common in uh, 1918 was the nurses talked about patients coming in um, one after the other with, quote, faces as blue as huckleberries. And that we are seeing that today, patients coming gasping for breath and in acute distress when they finally get to the hospital. In those days, they didn't want, people didn't want to go to the hospital. Most of them stayed home until absolutely the last minute because they were afraid of dying um, in hospitals. Yeah. And I I, I assume that parallel also is is apt with respect to the impact it's had on the well-being of nurses, correct? Just like what we're seeing now, unfortunately, with with, uh, nurses and, and other providers uh, falling ill, that was, that was really the case with the, uh, with the 1918 pandemic as well, correct? Yes. Um, 127 military nurses died because, of course, we were at war then, but they were accompanying soldiers on troop ships to France, and 
the um, just as we see on cruise ships today and on military ships, the uh, the flu then went rampant through the the ship and it affected nurses as well. Yeah. What if we also see in, in similar is this courage to care, the duty to care versus their obligation to their families at home. So we're seeing kind of a moral distress for nurses making that choice, and they've taken an oath to take care of patients, but I think some of them with little ones at home or even when they fall sick themselves, they feel very guilty that they can't help their colleagues and they can't stay with their patients. That was very typical um, in the SARS pandemic in uh, Toronto in 2003, the nurses there were not supported as much as they are today with people clapping for them when they left the hospital. In fact, they were shunned. Some of the nurses that we interviewed said that they um, were afraid to go to church because people knew they were a nurse and wouldn't sit near them. They were afraid to go on a bus with their uniform on. on the way to work, so they would change at the hospital, mostly ostracized because of their involvement in SARS. Everybody was just terrified. Yeah. And taking a step back, Arlene, what are the origins of professional nursing? When did did the, um, the, the profession really become more formalized? It was in um, in the United States. It was in 1873 when we had the first three schools of nursing based on the Nightingale model. Nightingale had opened St. Thomas's in England in 1859, and um, so we opened Bellevue in New York with six student nurses, and then the Connecticut Training School um, with just a few students as well, and the Boston Training School in. Boston all opened within months of each other in 1873. Um, And and how did... did, Midwives, family members, and most of the care was done in the homes. Plantations used um, slave midwives, um, and sometimes the mistress of the plantation would supervise the hospital care there. Sure. And how has the role of nurses changed over time? What have been some of those key uh, milestones or trends that have, um, that have contributed to that, that change, other than obviously the, uh, the advancements in medical, uh, medical technology and, and medicine? Right. I was about to say the, uh, it's become increasingly sophisticated and including high-tech care, but it also what has remained steady is this compassion and what we call high-touch care that nurses have always maintained the art as well as the science of nursing. It also has become increasingly independent, their practice over time. Now we see nurse practitioners with the ability to prescribe, um, nurse anesthetists, and others that are highly educated, nursing faculty with PhDs, and others that are doctors of nursing practice. So the education has certainly increased from a two-year training school to a three-year training school to um, a college degree, the BSN. Yeah. And 
what what's kind of the the current sort of state of of the profession in terms of um, number of nurses? Is is are there enough in the profession, or is is the is the field short on on talent? And how does that compare to to other other periods? I think right now we're all right, but I would hesitate to give those numbers. The the ANA president probably could tell you better about the statistics. Uh, we do go through periods of shortages. Since the economy changed um, in 2008, we have seen a return to nursing and other health professions. So I think it's all right right now. Yeah, interesting. And um, you, you mentioned before sort of the origins of nursing before it was professionalized in terms of the care really taking place in the home. And I know in, in some of your uh, books and articles, I've read that um, particularly during the uh, the pandemic in 1918, um, nursing was still segregated. And so, you know, uh, there was a shortage essentially uh, in many cases, uh, particularly because African Americans were not permitted to, uh, to be nurses. Um, what what's been the socioeconomic impact of the nursing story, and you know how has that changed over time? Um, yeah, first back to your question about segregation. In 1918, they had African American nurses. Yeah, the first one uh, trained at New England Hospital, Eliza Mahoney, in 1879, and then there are others, but they were educated in schools and hospitals with less than uh, 50 beds. So they, it was by default that they maintained segregation in 1918 and wouldn't let them help in the flu pandemic or go overseas in the military until finally some were sent to Camp Sherman um, when the flu was just overwhelming that camp. So we see a much more increase in our diversity over the last century. Um, now we have 5% male nurses. That may be up some, but we also have um, more African-American nurses and other uh, Asian and other minorities. Yeah. So the profession's becoming uh, more more diverse. Um, it, does it also, it, you know, and it's obviously a unique profession from the perspective of it's so um, dominated by, by women. Um, she said about 5% of males are now nurses. Does the industry also suffer from any sort of pay equity gaps that are present and prevalent in other, other professions? Uh, definitely. I think that um, nurses are getting more equity in their pay. Um, again, I'm not an expert on that, the economics yeah. of the profession. However, they have long been considered part of the room, sort of like a maid is in a hotel, so that they are seen by hospitals as um, not a revenue generating, but as, as part of the cost of running a hospital. And we need to break that out so that nurses can actually bill for their services so that when they change a dressing or start an IV or, you know, calculate blood gases or whatever it is they're doing and they're in and out of the room almost constantly, they're not just 
added on to the room rate of an intensive care unit being, you know, much more expensive than another room. Yeah, In interesting words, point. Yeah. And as individual professionals, not just as a massive um, unit that can that comes with the hospital. Interesting point. Yeah. And has that been a challenge that's really sort of continually stymied the profession? What are some of those key challenges that have um, sort of always been prevalent in nursing? Well, the major one is that nurses, you know, carry bedpans and wash patients and do um, jobs that nobody else wants to do and that anyone can be a nurse, that if, you know, a mother knows how to change a diaper, then certainly she could and take care of her child when she's sick, that then surely she must be able to be a nurse. Um, so what we saw in, in, um, in the wars, what we see in every war is a, a resurgence of volunteers saying, I want to become a nurse <clears throat> and an act like that can just happen. I'll give you a quote from Clara Noyes, who was the American Red Cross Director of Nursing in World War One, and she said, quote, there are moments when I wonder if we can stem the tide and control the hysterical desire on the part of thousands to become nurses overnight. So in other words, they, people assume that nursing is easy. You just bring the patient a tray of food and you give them some fluids and you wash their face and hands and that's all there is to it. But it it's much more highly specialized. You need um, observational skills to detect, like, like it's happening today, if somebody is about to what we call crash and need to be intubated and put on a ventilator. There are very subtle signs of that in the um, hours and minutes right before it happens that almost any expert nurse can tell you immediately. One time I was making rounds in the intensive care um, at, with a group of students and looked in a window and I turned to my colleague and I said, when are they going to intubate that man? And she just looked at me and said, how did you know? And I said, well, it's obvious. It was the way his, he was breathing, um, labored breathing, and his color was blue. And, you know, and she said, well, funny you should ask. They're on the way up here now. We just stat paged them. So it's that kind of expertise that you need. It's not just anyone can do it. Yeah, absolutely. And what have been some of the the key improvements of the profession in recent um, history? I mean, you mentioned that uh, there's been a, an increase in, in people entering the field since uh, the the last recession. Um, have there been other um, other advancements and improvements that give you optimism for the future once we uh, get on the other side of this uh, horrible pandemic? Um, yes. I think the increased respect for nursing, the um, trend toward higher education, for example, a lot of RNs are coming back to colleges for their bachelor's degree. So we have a resurgence of RN to BSN programs that can be um, taken in a year or two after a person has their registered nurse license, then they can get their college degree. Or from there, they can go on to, there's a, a, a degree program called the Clinical Nurse Leader, where if you have another college degree, you can 
get the nursing courses you need on top of that. So that the nurse anesthetist programs that are now at the doctoral level, um, the nurse practitioner levels that are now at the programs that are now at the doctoral level, and the um, the general focus on a culture of health that we see throughout the United States is influencing our ability to promote wellness, not just wait till people are deathly ill. Yeah. Then there's the mobile clinics in underserved areas, the regional area medical clinics in Virginia and West Virginia, and the, I, I don't want to overlook the compassionate care initiatives where we're focused on palliative end-of-life care rather than just always turning to a machine to solve our problems. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I guess that there's, you know, there will be some silver linings coming out of this this awful um, moment in history, and certainly, hopefully, one of them is going to be a, a continued increase of of respect for the nursing profession. Um, and it's certainly, you know, um, pretty great to see, obviously, how um, nurses and other um, healthcare providers are being recognized in in New York, um, which is which is a pretty um, Pretty, pretty neat thing to see. Um, so it's uh, amazing to me. My uh, co-author, Dr. Barbara Wall, and I, who write about nursing and disasters, have said when we started uh, our introduction to one of those books, said that nurses are never noticed, like in Katrina and in, um, well, with Ebola, the African American nurses or the African nurses who were struck dead. From it were never recognized until some white American nurses contracted Ebola. But now the nurses' voices are being heard, and I think it's because of social media. They're just asserting themselves and posting videos of themselves online saying what's really going on on the front line. They're not hesitant at all anymore. Yeah, interesting point. So one one last question for you, a question I almost always like like to ask uh, for our listeners is, uh, do you have any sort of one favorite story that you love to tell? Uh, if you were uh, if you were in a bar and you know just having drinks in celebration of uh, National Nursing Week, uh, is there any particular story that you would like to tell? Well, I do have one that's related to um, epidemics, and that was I was traveling from Bangkok to Chiang Mai, Thailand in 2003 in the summer, right after the um, SARS epidemic. And people in Hong Kong, they would take our temperatures and check how people were before you could get on the plane. Um, And in Bangkok, they did as well. So when I got on the plane, we were on the runway, and over the loudspeaker came this call for a nurse or a doctor. And I thought, well, I'm an American nurse. I, you know, I can't speak the language. I really, I didn't answer. Well, they kept saying it, and finally they said in English, is there an American nurse or a doctor on the plane? And my daughter was with me, and she sort of elbowed me and said, you've got to answer, Mom. So I, I rang the bell, and the stewardess came over and said, we need you, like three seats back. There was a gentleman from India who was, kind of labored breathing 
shaking chills, wrapped in a blanket, and um, his lips were blue, and I thought, oh, dear, you know, and she said, all I need from you is should we take him off the plane? His fever is 104. And knowing that he could spread to the whole plane, I, I said, oh, yes, geez. I have to take him off. And I felt so bad because his wife burst into tears and want, she said home, she wanted to go home to India. That's all they wanted to do. Yeah. And or to Chiang Mai, I guess, at that point. Um, and so we got him off the plane and then they came and took my license. She said, the pilot needs your license. And I, and I started shaking and thinking, uh-oh, I don't know if I'm going to see my license again. <laughs> but anyway... I, everything turned out all right. They took him to a hospital, and I didn't get in any trouble. Oh, good. But, but it's well, a hard thing to do when you have to look at the good of the many rather than the wishes of one person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for sharing your insights, and, and thanks for all of your service to uh, to the, the, the past, present, and future of, of the nursing profession. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, not not you know, hopefully the impact of, of all of this is not going to be too uh, too great on on uh, all the all the nurses uh, around around the world and around around the country. So, thank you. You're welcome. I enjoyed being with you today. Thank you so much. Thanks to Dr. Arlene Keeling for that great conversation about the history of nursing. And one interesting dynamic that I was reading about in preparation for this podcast is that with the current COVID crisis, many nurses are obviously on the front lines and fighting the disease and putting their lives at risk. And many are, you know, not staying with their families, their stories of nurses staying in tents in their yards or in their garages to distance themselves from their families. And while there's not good data given the pace and real-time history of the pandemic, there are obviously thousands of healthcare workers getting infected with coronavirus and many are dying. But in addition to that, there is a mental health crisis and efforts are being made both in the immediate and the long-term to help health workers experiencing PTSD. And meanwhile, while you have all these nurses and other frontline healthcare workers addressing the COVID crisis, there's a lot of other nurses that are facing financial hardships because they're not working as much as more routine procedures are being postponed. You have a lot of other nurses that are ostensibly on the sidelines of this economy, uh, just like uh, many others of us. So even within the nursing industry, there's this dichotomy. Uh, but many of them, obviously, in one form or another, are struggling right now, and they need our support more than ever. So if you want to support nurses, there's a number of things you can do. Uh, For financial support, you can go to thanksnurses.org and make a contribution to the American Nurses Foundation's Coronavirus Response Fund for Nurses. And there's also lots of companies and brands offering discounts and free products for nurses this week. And many of them are providing ongoing incentives for nurses and other frontline workers. If you just do a quick search online, you can easily find lists, but to name just a few, Adidas, Chipotle, Circle K, Crocs, Dunkin', Hooters, Krispy Kreme, McDonald's, Nike, 
the North Face, Outback, Sheets, Snickers, and Starbucks are all offering uh, different discounts, uh, free products, uh, many of them, as I said, for not just this week for Nurses Week, but even in some cases through the end of 2020. And Talkspace is offering a free month of therapy for doctors, nurses, social workers, and other frontline workers. So again, if you uh, know a nurse or uh, just want to provide uh, some support for the profession, those are a couple of different ideas and suggestions. Okay, that's our episode. Uh, Thanks again to Dr. Arlene Keeling. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Uh, Thank you to all the nurses and frontline workers. Honor them by continuing to be responsible and staying safe. Be well, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks.